Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing out there? Uh, I hope you're ready for what you're about to experience, because it is something. It is something else. Uh, this is the Common Chaos Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Brian Kern. Uh, get right into it, commonchaos.net, for your merch, your Common Chaos merch, your stickers. Um, we revamped the site. It's looking fresh, looking real clean. Uh, my sister, Jacqueline Kern, did that. Um, so go and check out that. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's more user friendly. Uh, we're adding a couple pages. I got my my page dedicated to my trips home up there. Uh, I'm gonna have a, another page put up here in a day or two, which is gonna center on this 2018 mayor election that I'm covering. Um, not necessarily like full in depth coverage, but I had the opportunity of uh, to interview two of the candidates, Alex Stringer and Travis Duncan. The episode you are about to hear feature features. Um, features Alex, um, and he is an interesting character. Uh, I support both these gentlemen just for the sake that they are bringing attention to issues and attention to um, the importance of being involved and being engaged in your uh, in your local environment, in your community, and what it means to actually go out there and vote for what you feel is right and what you feel is necessary, and... Um, yeah, voting's important, and that's the message that both these guys are putting out there, and they're drawing a lot of attention to this election, uh, and it's a lot of necessary attention because uh, Austin's booming right now, and it's probably one of the one of the best cities in America, and it wants to continue on that path, and this election coming up is gonna is gonna determine that in a big way. Um, so yeah, we, I was able to sit down with Alex and we went deep on, on his policies and what he believes are the real issues here in, uh, in Austin, Texas. And that includes Californians. That includes me, uh, being a part of the issue here. Uh, so we dig into that a little bit and we touch on some other, uh, tough topics, traffic, homelessness, um, you know, the transportation issue, uh, where Austin sits among other cities in the, in the country and where, um, where we're headed, what the future looks like of Austin, whether it be with one of these two men at the at the head of it, or whether it be uh, Mayor Adler, who is the incumbent mayor, uh, whether it be Miss um, Laura, I believe her last name is Henderson, she's the other um, candidate that's running. It seems to be a two horse race between her and uh, and Steve Adler. Um, but lo and behold, we've got Alex and Travis uh, at every debate, at every uh, town hall meeting, at every one that they're allowed to be, that they're allowed to be at because they have been ousted. The powers that be have seen them, uh, have been able to prevent them from, from attending a couple things, but not much. Um, and they are bringing that to the attention, uh, to the public's attention. And it's really shedding some light on how politics here in Austin are in. And it's it's just important that they're getting people involved, and they they both have great messages, they both have great ideas, um, and they both have a lot of passion and are really driven and motivated to make this work, whatever it may be. And um, what's what's important to note is they're they're both very serious. They're both very concerned with uh, their city, what they um, consider to be their city, and they're both transplants as well. Um, Alex points that out in this episode, makes a couple comments about it. Um, and more importantly, I want, I want both these guys just to be recognized for their hard work and dedication to, to really what they're doing. Uh, both are self-funded, both are independent. Um, they're not, uh, a part of any major political party that's given them a lot of support. Um, Alex is running a GoFundMe and a donations page. 
and that's what's getting him through his entire campaign. Travis, on the other hand, is not taking any donations and is completely self-funded. Uh, so both these guys are, are, are going about it the right way. They're not trying to feed into that rigmarole that, uh, that, is, that everybody knows politics for now. So it was a privilege to do this with these gentlemen. It was a privilege to sit down with them and pick their brains and hear what they had to say, and I had a great time doing it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you can check out Alex at alexstrangerformayor.com. Uh, on Facebook, he is Alex Stranger for Mayor, and um, on Instagram and Twitter, he is the Alex Stranger. Uh, he's also pretty big in the Austin Jiu-Jitsu community out here too. So shout out to Alex for being a badass. Um, yeah, and a fellow Strangler. Really excited for this interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. CommonChaos.net. Um, let us know how you like the new site. Let us know how you like the episodes, and please share this. This is a big one. This one and and Travis's episodes are, are both uh, are both big episodes. So I hope you guys enjoy them. Uh, check it out share it tell your friends feast on it love it listen have it playing in the background when you're making love whatever it may be enjoy it i love you guys thanks i assure you that Ladies and gentlemen of the world, I'm here with what could be the next mayor of Austin, Texas, the people's champion, Alex Stranger. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Brian. You thank rocked that belt. So fucking beautiful, man. Well, thank you. you know, it, not only does it symbolize my lead in the polls, but it also symbolizes <laughs> my commitment to Russell with the social injustices of Austin. Thank you for having me on the show, Brian. I'm really excited, man. Woo! We're already off to a great start. Please. Talk to me. Um, you are running for the uh, office of mayor, right? 2018 Austin election. It is you uh, and I want to say maybe six or seven other people that actually kind of matter. Yes, uh, me and six lesser known candidates. Brian. Lesser this known is 100% candidates. 100% true. <laughs> um, what encouraged you to get involved in the politics, into the, the realm of, of government and running the show? What made you want to get involved with this? Because I, I have to say, man, and, and, and as you explain yourself, paint this story because a lot of people are taking notice to you because it's a lot of um, a lot of out of left field thinking from you. And I think that's what got what has the people's energy behind you. So please explain your well, thought process and why you're doing this and what you hope to bring to Austin. You know, Brian, there's there's a lot of social injustice going on in the world and. There's nobody better than me to address the social injustices of Austin. As you and a lot of other people are well aware of, I'm a pedicab driver downtown. And as a result of my profession, I see firsthand the negative results of our rapid unsustainable growth and borderline epidemic traffic congestion caused by uh, the return of Uber and Lyft in downtown Austin. Granted, traffic was always bad and it was always an issue. But the return of those two plantation companies has 150% exacerbated those issues and has created traffic in areas that otherwise wouldn't have unsustainable traffic, mainly downtown Austin. Uh, when I first moved out here, and I, I'm going to address this situation now because I have a feeling it's going to come up. I am from California, sir. And one of your, one of your main campaigning points is to exile the Californians because we're coming in, we're taking your jobs, and we're jacking everything up. Um, well, in coming know. here, one of the first things I, I, I noticed was the traffic because people compare it, since they are coming from California, to, to traffic in California because it can be horrendous. Um, but on top of that, a whole slew of other issues I kind of picked up on. 
what other issues lie in with the traffic and where in particularly do the Californians and the other outsiders. Well, well let's just start by saying that, you know, when I get elected, we're going to send you to a very nice relocation facility. You're going to have <laughs> high rise condos. There are going to be dog parks. There's going to be a Trader Joe's in the compound. Oh, please. All the food is going to be vegan and gluten free. Are we going to have avocado All toast? Of- Yes, all of the bathrooms are going to be gender neutral. You'll be able to even take Uber wherever you like as long as it is within the compound. You will feel like you are right at home, Brian. That is a fact. You know, that being said with the traffic, how can we address traffic and make it sustainable from a basic common sense solution? Okay. A, we need high capacity transit. We need a rail system that services the majority of Austin. We need rail going up South Congress, we need rail going on William Cannon, we need rail on Stastny, we need rail, you know, Going, going from Round Rock to even like Del Valley and Buda and Kyle and the surrounding towns outside of Austin where many people have been pushed out as a result of the unaffordability crisis due to the Californians. But I digress, Brian. Um, you know, we also need to expand our bus routes. You know, 19 bus, bus stops got scraped and taken away in East Austin. And these are in predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhoods. And, you know, it doesn't take a task force on institutional racism to realize that that is a bad idea. So let's expand our bus routes. Let's try to figure out how we're going to build high-capacity transit in a way that services everybody in Austin, not just a select few that live in the central areas. And what we also need to do is we need to repurpose our Lime scooters. You have all these Lime scooters, this epidemic of Lime scooters coming in, and they're all over downtown, and you got a bunch of drunk idiots driving them, and they have no regard for the rules of the road. They drive on the sidewalks. They drive on the wrong side of the road. They just leave it in handicapped spaces. They, you know, 90% of them are drunk. They drive through red lights. I can go on. You know, I don't right, want to make right. a whole podcast complaining about how bad the scooter drivers are. So instead of instead of complaining about that, I'm going to propose that we put our scooters at all the bus stops throughout Austin so that whenever you get off the bus, you could just take your scooter to your apartment or your job or whatnot, and even put scooters in some of the apartment complexes as well. So I think that you know we have um, we have these resources out there, and we if we did a much better job of utilizing them, we could definitely clean up traffic. Just even if we had scooters on William Cannon and Stastny, traffic down there in rush hour freaking sucks. Why not have a scooter there? So, the 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 energy that you're bringing with the the mayor championship belt and the the character that comes with doing uh, these 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 interactive engagements you're doing with people on the street, these campaign, it immediately kind of goes to the wayside with like the logical thinking you have towards your approach. Well, and it, and and I appreciate that. So. Where do you feel, and I'm just going to highlight what is major issues in the Austin area, but it's based off of like the... No, for, for sure, but I, I think that people are starting to recognize that I have logical and salient points to address in these issues, because a lot of people have talked to me about you know the logical things that I've been saying, and the reason this campaign is still generating interest is because I'm bringing up logically valid points. If I was just talking about building domes and giving flamethrowers to cops constantly, you know, it would the, the joke would get old, right? But... There but, are like why do people pay attention to? Why are people you know? paying attention? Because there are there are salient points that I'm bringing up that I do plan on addressing when I get elected. So anyway, continue with no. what you're. Uh, and I I wanted to point that out and 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 highlight that because I don't want uh, I don't want that to get lost. And I and I think it can because in doing the research for this and your interview and Travis's interview, uh, you know I shared that post yesterday about the two horse race. A lot of people aren't acknowledging anybody outside of Laura and Adler. 
and it's frustrating in the sense that that's kind of the same monotonous system that you and, and Travis are looking to point out. No, that's 100% true. They're also, to, to, be, to even extrapolate on that, most people aren't even acknowledging Laura. Most people just only see Adler. And that's true. And and what's what's frustrating in that is even to get to emphasize her as a candidate, you're emphasizing that, well, who's the opponent? Not who are the other options or what other options are there. It's addressing that, who's that, who's going to be that other person to try to go up against Adler? And I know that he's kind of cushy and comfortable, and, and I want to point point out things along that realm as well, but but before we get into that, the the issues that, that are probably the biggest of concern here in Austin, traffic. Uh, the the homeless situation that we have going on downtown that is now spreading into a lot of the local cities that are surrounding as well. Uh, the gentrification, which I plan on bringing up, which you in particular address uh, very well, I think. Thank you. Um, overdeveloping of the downtown area without the expansion of the traffic, the transportation, the other areas that you're looking into. Education seems to be a little bit of an issue out here in terms of how many schools are in the Austin Independent School District and how they're being delegated you know, priority and things of that. Where do you feel... With all these statistics that Austin has going for itself, right? It is the the eleventh uh, largest city in the United States, right? It has a population uh, last year recorded at nine hundred fifty thousand. This year, in in April, recorded at nine hundred sixty-seven thousand. So you're getting you. It's it's high traffic. It's booming with the tech industry. All these big business, businesses coming out here. Where where did they get lost in the preparation for all of that, and what allowed all these list of issues to become so apparent and so in everybody's way? Where that's it seems like now when they talk about Austin, who's going to lead Austin? It's who's going to solve the problems. What allowed all these problems to take place? In the, were they not just prepared? Do you think that it was a mismanagement of? Of the city in terms of where they delegated priority, the whole I know that they were trying to get the the one to be a whole toll road, and they were going to try to bring in money that way, and it just it seems like a bunch well, of failed initiatives. There's, there's a lot of mismanagement, and uh, you know they they did talk about. There's also a lot of like unanticipation of how fast the city was going to grow. And they did talk about they've they have proposed in the past building high capacity transit, and it got shut down because the line of thinking is if you don't build it, they won't come, right? And I can't really, you know, criticize it too much considering what my platform is based on. <laughs> but, but here's here's the but, Brian, and the but is that they still came. Right. And you know, the the line of thinking could also go well. Maybe if they built it, they would have came even Anyways. faster. You know, and in even bigger droves, and there could still be a problem. And it would even be even it would be even more unaffordable because there'd be even more attractions and even more of a boom and more. You know things coming up into the city that are creating a high volume of traffic and a high rate of unaffordability, as well as gentrification. Now, what, um, what were we? What do you want? Mind not restating, but you know, talking a little bit more about what you were saying, so I can get a better answer to that. So, what what issues are within the structure of the city's leadership? So, where did they maybe run into not being well prepared? And, and you mentioned. Uh, going against your platform because you're about k- kicking out Californians, right? But let's be honest. Um, you know, if you're going to run a successful city, you want people to come to that city. You want that city to grow financially, okay. economically. So, so here's the here's the, here's a the problem then. So why not right. prepare for that? Right, right. But but well, another thing that the city the city so what the city's doing is the city didn't invest in infrastructure when it had a, had an opportunity. It didn't have it, it failed to invest in proper infrastructure. Okay, and what the city's doing now is it's trying to accelerate its growth even more and invite even more businesses 
um, instead of trying to build the infrastructure to accommodate the growth that's already taking place. Mm. Instead of trying to bring in a company mm. like Amazon or bringing in a major league soccer team, what we need to be doing first is mm. you know, expanding our bus routes and improving our roads and creating high-capacity transit so that you know, these entities can actually flourish here in Austin and work with the, you know, yeah, like work for the benefit of the people that live here instead of just being, instead of just mining money from the city and making the situation and the problems here in Austin worse. Another issue that we have too is that over half of the members of our city council, including the mayor's planning commission, are tied to the real estate and development industry. And, you know, when you have over half of the members of the, of your planning commission tied to real estate and development, well, the ideas and solutions and proposals that they're going to put out are probably more likely to, you know, to be within their own self-interest versus the interests of actual individuals in Austin. And so I think it's, it's, it's common it, sense. You know, it's like, you know, would you would you trust the IRS to audit itself? It's, no, a, it's important no, to would recognize you tr- that. Yeah, would you trust the police to investigate their own shootings if one of their officers shot somebody? No. Would you trust Bill Cosby, Brock Turner, and Judge Kavanaugh to run a battered women's shelter? I think not. So that's kind of what what it's boiling down to. There's so many questions that can stem from that, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a lot of them. So the Excited first one, the first one that I have is there's with any people like to ignore the fact, and I think it's more prevalent now since since Trump came into office. But people like to ignore the fact that the United States essentially is a business and should be ran as such to a degree in order to properly. Uh, you know, maintain a budget and, and, and in order to be able to provide for its people, it has to run efficiently, just like a, a good ran business would, right? A well ran business. Yeah, of course. So I think that's the case for lower government as well. And with that being the case, there's going to be that fraternity style. There's going to be that fraternity uh, habitat potentially. You know, the, the, the commission being filled with real estate developers and real estate guys. They're gonna, he's, of course, not going to go against his people because there's that, there's that fraternity there. Being outside of that, right, have you noticed it more? Have you, how is your access to resources? It seems that if you're going to implement a plan and you're going to attack uh, a lot of the issues that we have, you have to be able to have resources. You have to be able to uh, get in touch with the people that can make these things happen and want to listen to your ideas. Oh, well, th- Do you feel like you're restricted in that realm? I think that uh, you know Laura and Steve have a you know a better access point to that because they are kind of they they are in so called the in crowd, but. By me running the campaign I'm doing and me doing this by myself and you know showing the follow that I've been showing to continue and perpetuate this and have this grow stronger and stronger, you're getting people's eyes and, and I'm are. getting people's eyes in not like in the city council and you know in some of these industries as well. Like I spoke at the Rika Housing Forum um, last Tuesday, right, like a little over a week ago, mm-hmm. and I did a really good job. People came up to me and they complimented me and they said, you know, you spoke very well. Or you know, we. We like we liked what you had to say, and we were happy that you're expressing yourself and putting putting yourself out there. I've had people come up, and I and I was blatantly telling them, I was blatantly saying, I was blatantly disagreeing with a lot of what their mentality was. But I did, you know, I think I did it in a way that where I made my points well and brought up good points, and still held my own in the debate, and was not afraid to fully express myself how I wanted to, regardless of whether or not my thoughts and feelings agreed or disagreed with, you know, the people that I was addressing. So I, you know, when it, when it comes to that, when you're running for public office, there are going to be people who are going to pay attention to you no matter what. They're going right. they're going to be people who are going to send you information, relay information to you, relay articles, and and talk to you about certain issues that you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't talk 
wouldn't talk about the normal common citizen. And so, yes, I've actually uh, I've actually learned a, a ton about the inner workings of what's actually going on and what's really going on behind the scenes of how our land codes being developed and you know a lot of the information too that that you're talking about is it's public information it's on atx.gov yeah. it's all over the place like nothing it's not like it's, it's not hidden. it's not like you're you know being exposed to like an agenda a of like some secret right, some right. secret society it's right there in front of you the problem is that people just don't want to look at it but the the information is there right and so with that being the case uh, running the country or not the country necessarily, but the, any any type of government's going to have its 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 groups of people that are going to maintain interest for their own their own reasons, and that's that's I think a given. So with that being the case, where is where is the where is the plan to maybe shake that infrastructure oh, up? Okay. Is that right, necessary? Right. So, uh, yeah, well, I think that there things definitely need to change, right? But we also live in 2018. We live in the age of Facebook, YouTube, the internet, Twitter, Instagram. We live in the age of social media and people going viral at the drop of a hat. Right. And the internet has really kind of leveled the playing field out. If I if I'd ran this campaign in 1995, nobody would know who the hell I am. Yeah. But because of the internet and because of social media, people know who I am. I mean, I had an article written about me. In the Austin American states, and when I have, I don't have a campaign manager. I'm my own campaign treasurer. I'm doing 95% of this by myself, and the statesman wrote an article about me. Granted, it was about my sex life, but they still took the time to write an article about me. It was about your sex life. You didn't read the article, did you, I Brian? Didn't no. Read the so I, you know, allegedly a couple years ago, I, uh, you know, I allegedly met some girl. But before I met my current girlfriend, I just want to clarify that, right? Okay. So, you know, who I love very in much and very much committed know. to. She's an amazing, you know. But let's, she's an amazing woman, and you know, my shout out to, to she, uh, Vanessa. Yeah, Vanessa. she's 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 really, a, you know, the light of my life, and I'm very happy and very grateful to be with her. Very cool. Yeah, so she'll probably be happy to hear that. But anyway, let's uh, let's get back to what what I was talking about. So before I met her, you know, yeah. it was my birthday and. You know, I had a lot to drink, and my, my friend Heath introduced me to some somebody, and you know, I, I guess allegedly something happened in the royal blue bathroom between us, and uh, hmm. you know, I guess I I found out that I got thrown out of the the bathroom. That I got th- well, not th- thrown out of the store as a result of what may or may not have transpi- transpired, and right. the the statesman found out about it, and they wrote a whole story about it. And you know, you're welcome to read the article when you're finished. I'm even happy to send it to you. I but mean, I, I just, I just want, I just want you to know. But before we even talk about that, irrelevant I, in my, <laughs> but they are right. They would bring up the fact that you had no. I, you know, at the end, like, look in at the royal end, blue bathroom. Well, here's here's the thing, though, Brian. You know, while uh, while I'm out here campaigning for the people, addressing the real issues of Austin, the fake news Austin American statesman instead decides to focus on royal blue gate. That's what I, and and huge problem. Huge problem. Um. Where do you feel that your your path to victory lies in terms of getting the support for for your proposed ideas? Are your two and let me back up a little bit. Are your two main proponents the the transportation and what uh, what else? Well, I think transportation and affordability go hand in hand, but I think that the answer to affordability is not just to build a ton of affordable housing units. I think the answer to affordability is to not build in certain areas. Did you see the report that uh, UT did on the gentrification that they released back in September? I have not gotten to Okay. Uh, so, but please elaborate. I want to. There's a couple different reports. Uh, one was done by a student, Mike O'Connor. He he did it earlier this year, um, and it's the 
why gentrification has been such an issue and the um, blind eye they're turning to the recommendations that are being proposed to the city to fix the gentrification issue. Um, and there's a list of like 200 plus recommendations uh, ranging from direct impact to indirect impact, right? Just uh, like supporting the surrounding areas, maybe cleaning up the city a little bit, maybe putting in uh, low cost uh, living accommodations in terms of like making, you know, lifestyle lifestyles easier in areas that are being that are they also need to they also need to um, create historical preservation in a lot of these areas in east austin too to help prevent the gentrification and prevent these developers from just building all over east austin you know because that's next right east austin's well it means east austin what do you mean next it's now but it's like continuing they're just going to go further and further east so you ever heard of sam's barbecue Mm -mm. sam's barbecue is a um barbecue place 12th at chacon it's been around for over 50 years since like the 1960s and it's a you know it's a mainstay in the city and it's a very um it's a very big like it's a very big part of the the black community you know in in East Austin specifically in that area mm-hmm. and there are a lot of like black owned businesses throughout that whole street and you know if developers start building condos and trendy coffee shops and all these things in those areas you know people are going to wind up getting priced out. I mean, and they are. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's they're going to continue getting priced out over there. There's also, they're also, so there's also like a lot of really affordable housing units that are right within that area. And the more you develop within those areas, the more likely the city is probably going to be to have to move those affordable units outside of that area. You know, because, look, let's let's face facts. Everybody wants to be a good person and a caring soul, but if you're paying $1,500 a month to live in a fancy condo, the last thing you want to be next to is a housing project. I mean, it, does that make sense? Right. Like, you, I, would, I mean, if I was paying $1,500 a month, I wouldn't pay $1,500 a month to live next to a project. And eventually, they're going to have neighbors and people that are going to complain and complain and you know bring up these points to the city. And it's going to wind up causing the city to move a lot of these affordable units. And the way the way it's structured right now is, I was actually um, camp- campaigning and I was like block walking in that area, trying to you know ask some of these people what like their concerns were and whatnot. The post you made yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these guys, I was asking about how what how it was like to get around and whatnot and. What it was like living there, and most of those guys I was expecting them to complain and complain about how bad it was, and most of the guys were, were saying, you know, it's not it's not that bad. You know, we have uh, our buses right there. You know, there's no laundry where we're at, so we have to go, you know, drive to the laundry machine or take a bus to the laundry, and that's kind of, that can be kind of a pain, you know, pain in the ass to do. That was one of the indirect re- uh, resources or recommendations was to uh, not, you know. If you're not going to put the time into these housing developments because essentially they're still being built or they're still work in progress, uh, you know, put invest into the local businesses that are there and invest into the small mom and pop shops that are over there or the or the small businesses that maybe need a little bit of help rather than forcing them to be pushed out just for the sake of more affordable housing that's never going to reach its peak potential because that's the issue they're running into now. There's all these different recommendations that are being ignored. And that's why they released the study is because hey, it's been it's they could have built they could have built an affordable housing unit right by where that soccer stadium is going to get built. Yeah, and which it might not even get built now because the Columbus crew are going to stay in Columbus. That's what it looks like. And now that we're going to fight, we're fighting with San Antonio over whether or not we get the expansion franchise. So there's a chance we might not even get a stadium. We might not even get a team. Like there's still a chance that we might not even get a team. And they have Indy Austin the is circulating petitions. 
Is that what we need right now? Is no, that what Austin, it's, Texas it's, needs? No, of course we don't need that. But, you know, Anthony Preaker, the owner of the Columbus Crew, you know, threw out, like, donated $10,000 to Steve Adler's campaign. And that's on public record. And a lot of the developers, like Rich, Richard Suttle, Whalen, a lot of these, these big-time developers and lobbyists, they're contributors to Adler. I mean, they can only donate $25 max as, you know, legal legally. But you don't think that they're helping raise money for this guy? So let me uh, paint this picture for you. So back in August, August 16th, or August 6th, I apologize, um, they announced what the new budget proposal was. The, yeah, the okay. city manager. Do you know what that is? It's like, it's something about four, it's around four billion something. 4.1 billion. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, they were looking to divvy that up in different areas. They're doing, I believe, uh, I think it was 1.5 or 3.5 towards the homeless situation. Um, they were doing a lot for um, public responders, first responders. Which is good. And, and the homeless thing is fine, but like, what are they going to actually spend the money on doing with the homeless? Are they going to like offer vocational training? Are they going to open up a sobriety center down? Like, I mean, there's a sobriety center for regular drunk people, but they're going to open up a detox center because many of them I are addicted to drugs. they said that they were going to implement some sort of new community center with programs aimed towards rehabilitation. But, what, but it's then, not like, about rehabilitation. Some of these guys are so sick that they can't get rehab they need to like physically detox right right uh, is there going to be an actual detox center well so that was going to be my question is when when the when the city proposes that right and you have an election coming up do they look at do they ask you anybody that that is uh looking to i guess try to get an idea of 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 are you allowed any of in of that information to how to manage that given that you you win you win and you are mayor. Like, well, we have, do they we have ask a, so, you and say, so we hey, have, we have a city manager. What do you and, plan on doing with this four hundred one? What's where your four, this four point one billion? What's your so, outline? So, I mean, I think the city manager has is responsible for a lot of the financial transactions. But I, Spencer, you know, I have a, Spencer, Spencer Cronk. Cronk. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, when I when I'm elected, I have a very uh, close relationship and a correspondence and a large say in terms of what happens. But Spencer Cronk also has a say in it as well, and we work together to figure out what we're going to do and I help run and manage the council and the way we work the way this works is where it's a council of manager system so when it comes to take placing a vote on the dais my vote is just as important as the rest of the council members there so we are a team and then part, so part of like another part of uh, being mayor of Austin is having being able to actually manage the members of the council because when it comes to like actual power of my vote the power of my vote is not as strong as the power of you know in some other city where the mayor has more executive authority so it's extremely important that you call you know create a culture of you know create a culture of respect and teamwork and make sure you're on the same you have you have you're on the same agenda or at the very least the people on council share your agenda and you just create a a, uh, a team-centered culture while ma while being mayor of the city so to speak I mean, I think that comes along with, with being a part of any successful team. You want to make sure that all the parts are like intertwining, right? Working together. Yeah. So when, what is the, are you able, I guess, in the sense, if you are elected mayor to kind of bring on your own committee, bring on your own uh, administration, or not yeah, administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So like, I, get to, I get to hire members of my own planning commission. Okay. Cool. And, and do you have that team in place already? I, I, I was informed the other night that you offered uh, Travis a spot. I give Travis, you know, like, look. When it comes to dealing with environmental concerns, he's I'll, got a lot of ideas. He's, he's smart. I mean, that, that yeah. if there's anything yeah. that he's actually good at or qualified to, to address, it's the environment. And you know, so when it comes to issues relating to the environment, he's a lot more knowledgeable about that than me. And I'm going to utilize that knowledge when I become mayor. And yeah, Travis will have a spot.
Do you think that that's the the issue? Is this constant battle for who the the tribes? You know, and it, you're a fan of Rogan, I'm sure, and you you listen, yeah. you're in the know. The, this whole tribe, us versus them. I mean, I know it's so far down the line, but I see the future really being if if there's going to be any fix to this democracy, right, or what people think the demo- the issues in democracy are, it's going to be rethinking the whole thing and maybe having uh, not necessarily a two party system down the road. But where does that start? A lot of people think that that starts in like the education realm, right? Because it's just changing that whole field and it's 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 educating people maybe on different issues and different tactics. And well, so let's let, let's get back to that. So you, in order to really change the system and change it correctly, because you could change the system and change it into dictatorship or change it into communism or change. Well, we want to stay away. From yeah, that. but but I'm saying that you know. And that's what drives campaigns now is, oh, they're going to like the whole thing about Bernie being a socialist Democrat and like, oh, you want to support socialism? Then you're going to support Bernie. And like, is that really what it is? Or is it just different ideas? So I think that it's it's a it's a mixture of different ideas. And it's also a mixture with 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 Sanders. And I actually I was a big Sanders guy. Like I I can't help phone bank for him. And, you know, if if he had ran in the primary, if he had ran against Trump, I would have voted for Trump. And I think that he would have probably done a better job. Then Trump, I think that when it came to some of his economic ideas, while his heart is in the right place, there's a you know it, it's sad to say, but when it comes to dealing with these big businesses, in a lot of cases they will, they'll win. Right. They'll find a way to win. Right. You know, like they uh, have you know Amazon's got to pay their employees fifteen dollars an hour in hours, so to speak, right? Yeah. And the employees used to be able to get stock options. Yeah. Right. Well, Jeff Bezos pulled all that. He's like, all right, cool. I'll pay you fifteen bucks an hour, but you're not getting your stock option now. I so think that's where that line of business and running the country kind of uh, uh, blend in a in a in a gross way. Like people have that that preconceived notion that it is a dirty business. There are these people in power that only seek to benefit their own little cliques. And with Trump, it just so happens to be the business world. He's a successful yeah. businessman. No, of course. But and, and then the the stock market's gone up tremendously with Trump. It has Tremend- it? like tremendously. And and you know the the whole thing about. Um, he so he gave a lot of these companies huge tax breaks. It's not good. Like I'm, I, I don't like it, right? You know. But if you're a stockholder in those companies, you're gonna you're gonna see a, there's gonna be like almost an epidemic of panic buying as a result of what well, Trump the, is doing because a lot of the companies are gonna be buying back. Like uh, you know, of the course Dow these companies did just drop. Like the, there was just a real big drop. Yeah, but in, there's, like there's a been, week ago. The, yeah, but there has been big drops in the past year. There've been like three thousand point but drops. But this is like, like the biggest since like two thousand eight. And I remember they because they what they did is they compared it to while Obama was here in his first term and how it's a drop you generally do see in the stock market. Um, but Trump, while he's been in there, there's although we've reached highs. There have been a couple significant drops, and this happens to be like the biggest. But what I think that even paints to is there's this that should be a clear indicator of hey, even though he is a successful businessman and he is able to impact businesses like that, the idea that one person is fit for this role to lead an entire country that can be dismantled. And I think the best example for that is leadership of a small city, you know, or in this case, Austin, a rather big city. Why not that be the first realm of, of changing that system instead of having it being one person that sought to seek over everything and run everything? It is like a council. It is more well, of like a... But, but Brian, there's also a difference between running a country and running a city. I get it. But if you're going to follow any type of like case study, why not start with a city? You don't want to start with a country. That's what I'm recommending no, no, is not starting well, with a country. Well, and... Yeah. So what, what I'm saying is that like with Donald Trump, if you own Apple... You had right. a good you had a good couple years. Right. And right. even though Apple's dropped like what eight or nine points, like it's gone up 
35 points and or something like that since you know since like January term. or February it's gone up tremendously. Right. And if you own 100 shares of Apple, well you still you're still up a lot of money and you're still doing well and you know App- Apple's a uh, trillion dollar company and that company is going to be okay. Yeah, it's an established you know they have like a trillion they're a trillion dollar company and they have an insanely excessive amount of cash flow stored in their reserves meaning that there's always a new product they can come out with and right. they'll you'll be able to and generate be financially it. able. Yeah. They have the resources to come up and generate a new revolutionary product, and all it takes is one new revolutionary product. Where if you're a shareholder, you might wind up being able to make a lot of money as a result of, you know, Apple coming out with that that new product. Increased investment. The, right. the other problem though with that, and we might be going down a rabbit hole here too, but the other problem with how Apple does business is that they have like a Taiwanese, you know, there's, there's a Taiwanese like sweatshop that manufactures their phones, and the people who work for who work for these companies make. Four hundred dollars a month to manufacture Apple products, and while it while it helps in terms of them, they right. don't have to spend as much money paying paying employees and whatnot, you know. But and it increases the overall budget of the company. It creates another series of problems, and it causes like factories to be moved outside of the United States and into other smaller third world countries, and causes a lot of people who would. Work and in, in, in manufacturing to not be able to have jobs, and it'll create and foster a large amount of economic inequity here in the United States and throughout the world. So that, that's there's a whole maze of things that you got to really figure out how to address and cover, if that makes any sense. Right. I mean, so wouldn't it be wise to run a country that way, right, and a city to a small degree? I mean, when you look at Apple, yeah, there is like the brainchild, right, Steve Jobs. Uh, Alan Cook, what? Oh, Tim Cook. But or yeah, Tim yeah. Cook, yeah, yeah. So having, yeah, they're like the overarching power, but where there's like a board, right? There's a board. Yeah, there's a board. You can equate that to to lower levels of government under the president, but to to vie for, I guess, like the hiring process itself, having this us versus them, like that be the hiring process for the role. Let's call it that. Right, but what? what so I guess what I'm what I'm saying is the, the difference is that, you know. If Amazon, let's say I own shares of Amazon and, and Amazon came to Austin, mm-hmm. like it, Amazon coming to Austin or Dallas would have no implement on the stock value of Amazon, or maybe like a very negligible impact. You don't think so? I think I think it'd be very negligible. Yeah, in terms of the stock of the company, a lot of money to come. The to stock, like that. the stock of the company, though. I think like like if Amazon came to Dallas versus Amazon coming to Austin, the value, the 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 revenue that the company generates would be pretty negligible. But you don't think the fact of them going to a new city is going to generate new revenue, anyways? Probably no, no. They they probably probably would help generate new revenue. I just don't want that new city to be Austin, right? And so that that's what I'm saying is that that you know whether or not they pick Austin or Dallas or any city, it's not going to have any impact on the revenue that Amazon generates. Now, so do you think that the the reason to bring in all these businesses to Austin is to try to generate some sort of like. What 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 is the city really getting out of bringing all these businesses to well, Austin? And how is it well, returning back to the city? Well, what happens is that when you bring all these businesses and attractions, you raise property values, right? But you I raise mean, you raise real estate values, money. and the city, yeah, the city. Well, I think we'll, I read that Amazon paid like forty five million to come here or some crazy amount. Did they? Like well, I, yeah, I also know that Amazon didn't has a little factory in like Dallas and. They weren't paying any taxes to the state, and so they just created a separate sales tax. And the sales tax is the tax that you pay on sales taxes. What goes to what they pay in taxes? Is that so, true? Is yeah, that <laughs> yeah. So wow. I, <laughs> okay. What is that? Wait, wait a minute. In Dallas, that's happening. Yeah, like they have a little factory in Dallas. Like, Amazon has a little factory in Dallas, and uh, one of the one of the conditions was that Amazon had to pay something, but they worked out a little deal with with Abbott about how. Um, 
you know, if you pay, they'll just charge sales taxes. They'll just charge sales tax on your products or increase the sales tax, and that Whoa. increase will just cover the the taxes that they pay to the state of Texas. So it's just, wow, yeah. that's craziness, dude. I mean, okay, so. How many times has that happened out here? How many times has there been like this nice handoff where, hey, we're going to bring our business there and it's accepted because, hey, we're going to bring a big business to Austin. Austin's going to get more recognition, more name value. Right, but we already but have then, enough. Hey, exactly. We, 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 when are enough. we going like, to start expanding the infrastructure? Right. Like we, We're already good. You know, If we didn't have any big companies here, then I'd have a different approach to it, right? If Facebook wasn't here, if Apple wasn't here, if Google wasn't here, you know, if Trader Joe's wasn't here, if, if all these companies and, and if, if all these gazillions of startups weren't here and Amazon wanted to come. Yeah, let's go. Let's create some infrastructure. Let's create some jobs. Let's raise the uh, the median family income a little bit. Let's do all of that. Like let's increase the value of the city and make this more of an attraction. But the problem is we already have enough attractions. Even if we didn't have a single big company, we have so many startups and individual business owners that are super creative that we we're like one of the only cities in the country that could function without the help of a giant corporation coming here. What do you see being the worst case scenario? What is what is what's the Austin look like when it we just allow whoever wants to come out here for a good chunk of money to come out here and we don't fix the traffic issue, we don't fix the gentrification issues that we're having? What's that outcome look like? And is it something what's that you see? What's the outcome look like? Okay, yeah. uh, the outcome looks like we're gonna make another. This is gonna be another L.A. or another New York City. The next four to five years, we're gonna if um if Adler gets reelected, right, and the urbanist members of the city council wind up getting Reelected, you know, mainly uh, the realtors. Yeah, and the yeah, that yeah, are in his. yeah. Or the people that, that have that agenda. You know, the the, the pure rent. Yeah. So if if rentery in, D- in District Three gets elected, it, reelected. If if either Vincent Harding or Natasha Harper Madison get reelected, if um, Kathy Tova or Danielle Skidmore. Skidmore's worse than Tova when it comes to that. If Rich De Palma gets elected or Frank Ward gets elected in District Eight. Man, it's so you've already kind of mapped out what your next couple chess or what the chess moves of the of the entire uh, landscape look like. like if these, if these guys of- get if these guys get elected, this is going to be an unrecon- This is going to be unrecognizable in four years, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Did you count be- how many cranes are up up in front of the church right now when you were coming up here? A lot. I haven't. You know, I was too busy trying to focus them. on where to find you. Four of them within a block. Four gigantic cranes just building shit. Building. Just building, building, build a build a building. Then you got those two. Big skyscrapers that just got put up in downtown. Um, I mean, it's as the as if I was Steve Adler being mentioned on a on a national scale, the eleventh largest city in the United States, uh, the the fastest growing city on on by the word of many articles that I read, Austin is considered the fastest growing city in the United States. There's there's still like Odessa and the oil towns are bigger because of the jobs. But Georgetown sees a huge boom and I think that's get, that gets compensated for it. I think that they include Cedar Park, Georgetown. I think they include a lot of the surrounding towns, Hutto and things like that blowing up at their rate. Yeah. So Austin's blowing up the, the, the Austin area. Yeah. With that, in the way the way that the system is now, that screams success. Everybody wants to be mentioned on a national level. The mayor of Austin's making things work. But is he really making right. things work? What but, is but he is doing? He making, like okay, so you talk about the mayor of Austin making things work, making these making things work, and yeah, okay, he's being mentioned on a national level, and he's socializing with mayors of quote unquote progressive cities from Boston. You know, he's associating with De Blasio. He's associating with Rahm Emanuel, mayor of Los Angeles. He's he's doing all of that stuff, but. 
you need to be associating with you need to be associating more with the mayor of Dripping Springs or the mayor of Kyle or the or the mayors of the you know the cities in the surrounding Austin areas, especially if you actually That's want to fight the point. state. As if, if you want to, there's, there's so many issues that the he talks about fighting the state on. But if you actually want to fight the state and, and make your voice heard in terms of the state, in terms of the state recognizing Austin's right to, to govern itself, you need to have better relationships with city officials, with officials from neighboring cities, and you're too busy hobnobbing with. You know, with uh, Bill de Blasio and the mayor of Boston, Rahm Emanuel, and all these mayors in in big time tier one cities to actually do that. Uh, you know, they they have developers and and uh, they have developers and um, companies dumping a bunch of sewage into Dripping Springs, and that that water goes into Onion Creek. Why are we not having a better relationship or speaking with the mayor and the city council members of Dripping Springs or creating engagement in this in that city? It's literally the next town over from us, what, 20 miles west on 290. Are Why you are we talking not... about when they were dumping it off of Capitol Texas Highway? Yeah. That like, that they were yeah dumping? Like that's did from... they ever do anything about that? Because I remember them specifically when no, they uncovered it. They, they didn't were like, do the anything. They did nothing. Plan of no, I don't think anything happened. I think that they tried to uh-huh. investigate it, but I don't know that any real tangible punishments happened. And, you know, we could even address this without even incorporating any punishments. If we, you know, we could, we, we could you know, talk to the council members and the mayor of Dripping Springs and talk about how we're going to build a rail and create more economic opportunities and help the city of Dripping Springs grow and expand, provided that you don't dump any chemical waste or any garbage in the in our water supply. Right. And you know, if you if they refuse to if they refuse to listen to us, you know, the Dripping Springs and these neighboring towns, they use our services. Yeah. They like if there's a big fire in Dripping Springs, Dripping Springs doesn't have the the number of firefighters to help fight a wildfire. Right. They need us. Right. So if they're not going to listen to it us, it makes sense. Yeah, if they're not if they're not going to respect our envi- our environment here in Austin, we don't have to lend them our protective services. We we really don't. We're being nice to them by doing that. I mean, why would they reject it? Why would they reject the help? It kind of. I mean, if you're really looking at it that way, the. I mean, let's be real. If you're going to be mayor of of Austin, you want to network. You want to be in the realm of other successful mayors. You know, your network's your net worth. That goes for anything, especially if you want your city to thrive. You're going to well, want to have right, an but, example but he, to follow. But, he, but he's networking with mayors from cities that have no interest or impact on how Austin's going to govern. What what Adler's That's doing? My point, what is Adler's, what's stopping them from wanting to partner with Austin? Is that already there? Are they already kind of rejecting Austin's partnership and that's why he's going elsewhere? Or is the opportunity to partner with Dripping Springs and these other surrounding cities there, it's just not being acted upon? I, I just don't think he cares because I think that he cares more. I think from a personal standpoint, it's going to benefit him a lot more personally, a lot more from a personal standpoint to interact with mayors from tier one cities because if he ever wants like to, that you know, be a for, good you know, argument, but, though. but I, it's true though. Like, no, but you know. Inter, you know he's going to these conf- the conference of mayors from majors from big with mayors from like big major cities right and well, you know you're doing that and it's it's good that you're addressing national issues but a you're supposed to be addressing local issues that's and, my point right right yeah. and b um b the the thing is that you're doing this and it seems like you're almost doing this to advance your political career like it, it's like he's doing this to try to get a seat in the senate or to get a presidential run or have something to yeah like to have something to advance his his career as a politician, and he's going to say, "Well, I was mayor. We passed enough the affordable housing bond. We passed Prop A, and we got a stadium, and right. we have a task force on institutional racism." And you know, it'll just to me that's important. To me, having that be on your campaign, saying, "Hey, I'm going to partner with local cities to make sure that our quality of life's better, not only for us but the surrounding cities that benefit from us and use our resources, and we use their resources." You know, how many times the, I mean. 
we went over the population earlier, 967,000, but in in like peak hours, there's more than 2 million people in the city. Well, in the, like, in the whole area. Like the whole, yeah, it's, there's, it's crazy. There's, I think they, from each surrounding city, an average of 12,000 people commute into Austin. And there's a shared there there's 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 sharing going on there it would make sense to want to partner with those local mayors as that should be a part of any campaign is it really not being you really think it's not being paid attention to it's not even if they even if he is speaking with them why is it not public why are you not tweeting about it why are you not why is this not being written about in the statesman more why is it not in the chronicle why is it not a public news like that should be public news you working together and collaborating with mayors of neighboring cities i agree I agree 100%. Especially if you're going to fight the state on issues, you don't even talk to the mayor next door. He's not going to help you. He doesn't give a shit. So that's, I mean, that's, sorry for the language, but it makes sense. You know, that's just the way to do it. I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm surprised that that's not more of a, of a, of a, I'm surprised that that's not more of a priority when it comes to running a campaign. I'm I'm surprised by a lot of the things that our city council doesn't do, and that's why I'm running for mayor of Austin, because I plan on actually doing that. What are some other things? I feel like you have probably some, well, I, some good ones. You know, I think we talked about Code Next. Did we, t- did we talk about Code Next? Uh, you brought it up briefly on the phone call, but you didn't go into detail. You said you were going to talk about it. So Yeah, so the city tried to um, revamp its land code. And granted, our current land code needs to be revamped because people are being displaced at rapid rates and, and whatnot. But this code, this code Next thing was pretty much a free-for-all for developers to just go develop where and whenever they wanted with uh, loosely written language to help kind of bypass a lot of environmental regulations and affordability requirements, and it's it's a it's a large uh, it's basically a land code to have is to benefit realtors and developers over the general public of Austin. And we talked about it earlier that over it half came of our in the planning form of like higher property taxes, didn't it? Didn't isn't that what they were doing? They were charging higher property taxes in order to. I don't think so. No, no. Or, code Nexus was a code that they're trying to do, and well, they they blew eight. Eight to nine million dollars trying to implement that code, and I'm sure we had we've had to pay for that in some capacity. But what I'm trying to say, and I'm not going to go like into this whole code next thing. I don't want to spend that much time talking about it. But what I'll say is that over half of our planning commission is connected to the real estate industry. And are you surprised that that's the plan they came up with? It was a disaster. They came up with an an absolute. And it dis- is not working. Well, they they had they had to scrape it because you know. Thousands of people signed a petition to try to get it on a ballot, and there actually is a land code initiative on the ballot right now. It's called Prop J, and Prop J basically um, Prop J is a, basically an item for a community-driven land code that the people have more of a direct say in terms of implementation. So whenever the council does come up with a land code, if we vote yes for Prop J, then that land code has to go to the go to a ballot for the public to vote on whether or not they actually have final approval. It gives so the Prop public, J gives yes, the people it, the approval. it gives the public final approval on what the land code on what the next land code should be and gives us about a three-year waiting period in terms of how we implement that, which it makes sense because it's probably going to take like two to three years to figure out what we should do. So yes on Prop J's? Is yeah, yes on Prop J, yes. It sounds yeah. like, giving yeah. the power to the people a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yes on Prop J. Cool, man. What else? What else do you think that they're they're mismanaging? That's what I think it ultimately comes down to, and I think in order for you to be able to sit on and again, I, I keep using the business analogy because that's just my other world, but if if you're going to present yourself as the next viable person for the role, you know, what do you plan on fixing? What are you going to bring to the table? So what do you plan on fixing? There's another thing, too, in the city budget. It's not like a lot compared compared to how much the city has, but they're going to allocate like $300 million for like LGBTQ and transgender issues and whatnot. And while, you know, everyone should be able to express themselves however they want, and I think that if you 300 million? 
300 million dollars yeah wow yeah so something something like that towards what like just studying and addressing inequities and issues that the that community Maybe faces. city programs business yeah, co- programs for yeah. small companies right, right, right. and like while you know i support every member of that community and everyone should have the right to express himself in their own unique way and you should be able to use whatever bathroom that you want and you should never be discriminated against or judged because you want to call yourself a, a he when you're a she or a she when you're a he or Whatever the case is, it's I one hundred percent. I one hundred percent support yeah. it, like yeah. completely. Yeah. The the problem is that do they need three hundred million dollars? Yeah, like we could we'd be better off using that three hundred million dollars to give Alpha Brain to every school children in Austin to every to every yeah to every. Plug. It's true, and I'm saying like you know you want to create a self actualized and. Uh, you know, a, a, an edu- you want to create an educated and self-actualized public that's emotionally well balanced to help you know be more proactively involved at a local and national level. Give them an actual nootropic that has vitamins and minerals that can actually improve their mood and cognitive abilities. Maybe better makes, education programs. Yeah, I mean, it programs. makes more it makes more sense. You know, more physical activity. Yeah, you get a little kids on at training camp in there. But, and get, but I'm telling you this though, Brian. Like I've I've been taking Alpha Brain pretty consistently since like October. On it, dude. I can tell. On it, no, I'm on it. Like I'm you're on the on ball. It. Like I've done a lot. Like my, you know, I struggle with like attention deficit. Forty-five minutes in, and you're good. I, I struggle I with like ADD and ADHD, and I've struggled that since I was a kid. And my cognitive awareness and my ability to focus and my ability to get things done without having to be distracted has improved at like an exponential level since I've been taking it. Consist- I called for it. First mayoral, first mayoral uh, sponsored. Athlete. Yeah, they should. They should sponsor sponsored uh, politician, po- political figure. No, they they really should. Uh, Aubrey Marcus, if you're paying attention, shout out to Aubrey Marcus. Uh, hook it up. But shout out's on it. That being said, they you know that three hundred million dollars would be better better serviced giving Alpha Brain to every school kid in Austin. And so, real quick, do you know stand the, by that statement? Do you know the uh, you know how many school districts are in the Austin Independent School District? Well, how many districts? There's one district. I mean, how many <laughs> schools are in the district? I'm sorry, I don't know the exact number. I do know that a lot of our property, the largest portion of our property tax revenue goes to the school district. Then we have this Robin Hood tax where the majority of that money goes to other dist- other poor, less well-funded districts. And what they, what I'm thinking that we should do is we should split the district in two and get all the poor Title I schools in one district and the uh, wealthier schools in a separate district. This way, the tax revenue that you get, the tax revenue that's generated from these wealthy schools will just go back into Austin. And the city keeps its money. Hmm. Is that a is that is that something that you came up with on your own, or is that a, a format that you've seen work elsewhere? Well, I've I've had uh, certain individuals help me in terms of not really in terms of can. I mean, I've had a few people help me out in terms of like campaigning and stuff, but I've had a few people that are pretty like uh, connected to you know local politics. You know, consult with me and help me brainstorm on certain ways to answer questions. Because I've had to do a lot of candidate questionnaires, yeah. and one that that I came to that conclusion and agree with that conclusion as a result of having done some of my questionnaires. So I, yeah. that's that's something that I'm willing that's to that look into. Possible, and yeah, could, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I want to the district yeah. into two, two have districts. one of them generate some sort of revenue that aids the city, potentially yeah. aiding the other district exactly. that you said was lower maybe income, uh, you know, for the, the, the families that aren't able to get into the high-end schools. What they um, also need to do too with the after-school programs is that all the after-school programs focus pre- predominantly on like sports and physical activity, which is good. You know, mental health, though, you know, no, well, not even mental health, but, you know, who predominantly show, goes to boys and girls clubs, like poor black and Hispanic kids. Right. Because right. mom and dad are Working. not around. You know, it's not even that they're worried. Like mom and dad aren't around. You're in a bad neighborhood. You don't want to get in trouble. In the, you know, you don't want to get in, in trouble. You want to stay away from gangs and not fall victim to the streets and such. Right. Yeah. But why is there no fine? They should offer like comprehensive financial education for these kids, too. 
you know, or, or have people from have people, you know, within the tech industry go and help work with these kids and provide these kids with with programming skills and technological skills to help them, you know, create more like educational equity or to, to yeah, I guess, yeah, to balance to address the educational imbalances a lot of these people are facing. And I'm not talking about just school from a school standpoint. I'm talking about from a financial and from a, you know, vocational standpoint where you level out the playing field where everybody can actually benefit from the growth in Austin. And it seems as though only wealthy, educated people can benefit because there are a lot of opportunities here in Austin. We need to do a better job of making it so that like lower income individuals can actually utilize those opportunities. Without going down the rabbit hole of education and restructuring that, because that's a whole nother discussion in and of itself. Um, I do think that a, a part of a, a strong campaign, you do have to deal with the kids and the, the youth and the, the future of the city, right? Without sounding too cliche. Um, there's back to the statistics, 130 schools in the district, 83,000 students is what you have at the, in the Austin independent school district. Yeah. 130 schools, 80, 83,000 students. You could definitely probably split it up into two. I like that idea. Um, are you familiarizing yourself with other politicians that are looking to kind of uh, change uh, the structure of systems? Uh, one that I want to point out, and, and it ties into what you were talking about, setting up uh, kids and, and young adults, people in general, for a better financial stability or better better understanding of how to manage your finances and the real world stuff, right? Uh, Larry Sharp is a congressman in New York. And he's looking to, to make some impact on the education system. And he believes that more attention to real-life scenarios, you know, managing your taxes, being able to uh, figure out what it means to have a, a, a housing loan or an auto loan and, and being able to manage yourself financially and economically and set yourself up for success, you know, in the future. Uh, having that in place for whether it be young adults or kids is, I think, very important, especially in the educational realm. If you are going to spend a lot of money and it is going to go to the schools, why not put it into programs that are going to benefit the youth? Of the the one school district that Austin has, do you know how much money goes into that on a yearly basis? And do you know what changes are made to enhance that 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 environment? Are they making like a lot of enhancements to so the schools? So there was like some nine million dollar nine billion dollar like. AISD budget or something like that, you know, okay. like a big nine million. I think a billion, no, probably a billion. I think it was a nine, billion, like a billion. either nine billion or a billion. There was there was a very large amount of money, right? And the majority of that um, of the funds generated to AISD are going to like you know revamp the auditorium at McCallum, which is like a very which is a fine art school, and it's it's just a it's a silly way to utilize the resources when it comes to that. I think it actually is a nine billion dollar educational bo- education bond, but. You know, n- not a single dollar is really being used to help pay the teachers more. <laughs> like, That's a big where are your priorities? Where, where are the priorities? It doesn't make any sense. And when it comes to, re, you know, remodeling the auditorium at McCallum, you don't need to remodel the auditorium to be creative. You can be creative in any situation, in any any place, at any time. Especially why, with $9 billion. Yeah, like, why do you much. do that? And also, like, a whole bunch of the, the uh, water, the a lot of the water. In AIC, there's like eight, eight, seven, eight, nine different schools, like a whole bunch of different schools in the district. I don't have the exact number. Have lead poisoning in the water. I'm like, you just approved a $9 billion bond, right? Or $9 billion or $1 billion. I really don't remember right now, but it was a lot. I've got it. I mean. Whatever. It's in the billions. It's still in the billions, and you can't even give clean water to the kids here in Austin? Crazy. 
That's it's, the first I've heard crazy. of that. That's an actual issue. That's the, her- the first I've heard they, of that. Like, they, I mean, they, there was a huge bond. It, it was definitely over a billion no, dollars. The, like, the water issue. Yeah, there's lead in like nine different, wa- like nine different water supplies. And most, I guess, guess where those, those uh, schools are located? Probably low income. In the freaking ghetto, yeah. It just seems like, and you, you seem like you're very contrarian in nature. Uh, it seems like these issues here in Austin, which I mean, I love and, and without getting make it deep into this, I came to Austin because where I'm from, it's 30,000 people, right? I, 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 to experience a city and to kind of spread my wings a little bit. That's why I came out here and it's a beautiful yeah. city. Everybody's very nice. I get it. I get the, to me, not to just to play devil's advocate here with you, bringing people to the city, to the city is a success any way you look at it, but you hope and you 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 really encourage the people that are in power and, and in charge and managing it to do it efficiently and to do it effectively. And since I've been out here, it's been three years, um, I've seen the issues that people talk about, you know, and I don't think people, when you, when you move, and I'm not that involved, I'm not that involved in the sense where I'm always out, I'm always paying attention to things that are going on in terms of the city and how it moves and the, the inner workings of it, but every night on the nightly news, there's some sort of issue that they're addressing. Every, everywhere in all the campaigns I've been to, the same big issues come up, uh, you know, overpopulating certain areas, gentrifying, uh, overdeveloping. With it being these bigger issues, why does it seem like the norm is to just keep feeding these issues? Why are they still putting up these gigantic? Is it is it not on a big level? Is it do the people, the majority of people in Austin, really not care? Because to me, that's what I hear. But you would think if it's every if I'm hearing it everywhere, it would be a bigger issue. It would be it, there would be bigger, more solutions to these problems, and there doesn't seem like there is. Well, so you know, you also came here three years ago, and there wasn't like a big election cycle in Austin up until. This is this year is a big election cycle too. Right. So you're it's coming to a head almost this year. So, so is this more like repetitive? Does it get this way every two years? Every two years, there's kind of this tipping point of man, there's X, Y, and Z are the issues we need to fix. So two years ago, wasn't they don't get fixed. the issues in Austin weren't? It wasn't as pronounced. I felt because we had a president, we had Donald Trump running for president, so everyone was all Trump, 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 and Hillary. It was that was like the main, the main you know, news. I can focus. see that. Yeah. Yeah. And when they had the last mayor election, I just I'd been there like less than a year, so I just wasn't really up to date in terms of really I didn't understand or I wasn't as in touch with what is going on as I am now. So that's I guess how I'm going to answer that. Okay. Um, and the only reason that I ask is the the most of the reports that I pulled up with the statistics leaning into the issues, uh, they've all been like 15 year, 10 year studies, and it seems like it's just increasingly since the yeah. mid 2000s. Well, they that had Austin the, the Imagine Austin, crazy. which is what they tried to base this code next thing on, which is like how they were going to figure out how to structure the land code. It was like a blueprint, right? The future of the city. Yeah, right? yeah, and they were addressing all these issues, and it's just gotten worse. You know, I, I think that when it comes, when man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to, like, how to, um, I guess address this, but when it comes down to, when it comes down to, um development and excluding people or including people i think that if you can't accommodate the people that are already here and do it appropriately and manage the development and people and and growth Mm -hmm. then you shouldn't exacerbate growth that you cannot manage it's common sense don't exacerbate something that you cannot sustainably manage right now so if we're not able to like sustainably manage that the growth we're having you know bass drop they put a moratorium on development for a couple years (laughs) And Bass wow. was like, yeah, like, wow. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that I advocate that, but 
and might wind up coming to something along those lines until we get certain infrastructure projects off the ground. Are you from Austin? I'm not. You know, I, I grew up in New York, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this that uh, you know the the I've, I've in the time that I've been here, I see Austin turning more and more into New York at an uncomfortably rapid pace, and I'm, I want to do whatever I can as a concerned citizen to you know slow that down a little bit. What part of New York? I grew up in Riverdale in the Bronx. My also, just just Bronx. let's just to elaborate, you know, my campaign is based on throwing out the Californians. I just want to say real quick that not all transplants are created equal, Brian. All right, all right. I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, that's it's funny you say that because my my roommate's from Brooklyn, lived there for like twenty six years, and uh, he he's he's a buddy of mine, and he he came over and he said the exact same thing. He goes, I I thought getting out of New York and out of the city would be something different, but Austin's just a turning into another. Yeah, but I, you know the thing is too, Brian, is that every so the difference between a lot of the New Yorkers and the California people that I met is that I mean not you, I don't. Think you're, you fall into this case, but a lot of the, the these a lot of people I meet from California, from like San Diego, LA, San Francisco, kind of complain about how Austin should be more like California in certain ways. You know, like man, we need to we need better roads, we need to we need more restaurants, we need more culture, we need more this, we need more that. Whereas every person I meet from New York is just like, man, fuck New York, I want nothing to do with that place. So yeah, I've gotten I mean, uh, both New it's York a different, and California like, have their issues too right now, which I think is 100. percent Yeah, I mean, and it's election time in both those areas, and they're 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 they've got their fair share of people that are pointing out their problems, and I also think there's good examples there too, though, because you, especially in the terms of business, you have a lot of companies that are based out of California coming here because they see the opportunity, they see the opportunity for growth, hopefully, um, but getting that, what I appreciate about that is is the the whole transplant is I think that's what coming up with change and inspiring change is about is you coming from a city and seeing you have a different perspective. You have a perspective that a lot of people may not have and you're willing to kind of challenge everybody's way of thinking and say, well, hey, it can be different. It just takes a It's also chance. about being worried about what you're, what this place that you've grown to really love and you feel has almost adopted you can turn into. And you know, when I when I was living in New York, if I didn't leave New York, I'd be living with my mom and dad till I was like forty five or fifty. Either that, or working ninety hours a week at a job that I hated just to barely sustain myself. And I, I feel as though a lot of the policies and a lot of things are, that are being put That's in place here, city in the yeah, U.S. Like like I, a lot of the Big policies city. and things that are being put in place here are, are gonna are, are turning Austin to that exact same city. Average rent was like twenty four hundred dollars, something like that. It's crazy, yeah. Comparison. But um, the. As the election gets closer, what do you? I mean, do you have any big, big plans coming up? Any big milestone campaign speeches you're doing? Any so, big? So, the, the, the big thing that I'm going to be doing is during uh, early voting, I'm going to be giving free pedicab rides to the polling locations. I'm going to get a bunch of pedicabers to try to do that. Very cool. You know, Uber and Lyft are doing that, and we, we are a lot better than these plantation companies. So we're gonna Bring we're, we're gonna it. show the public that you know we we too care about local issues in the general public, and I'm going to be giving free pedicab rides. To polling locations during early voting. So you you've brought in that term up a couple of times. Plantation companies. You're talking about Uber and Lyft because you believe that these companies are just immoral and they're horrible and they're 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 bringing all the nonsense to Austin. One thing I want to point out is your videos that you've done with the traffic situations in downtown. They're remarkable. And oh, the fact you, yeah. that you're able to walk in bumper to bumper traffic at three in the morning 
uh, I think one of the highlights of them is you were talking about first responders being able to get through and get to people that need you know need medical assistance or uh, you know cops whoever it may be the traffic downtown the way that it's congested seems like one of the prime issues that are out there right now and you're you're attributing a lot of it to the the Lyft the Uber drivers I mean it's attributed like 95% to it you know why who the hell is going to drive their car at 3 in the morning if they're not trying to get paid like seriously Brian who's going to drive their car at 3 o'clock in the morning in downtown Austin if they're not trying to get paid exactly like what would you be doing what else are you going to be doing you're going to be sleeping these these individuals that are driving all around Rainy Street and 6th Street they're all Uber drivers they're just doing this because they just want to get a paycheck. And the problem is, look, I understand. I respect somebody's hustle, right? Like, I have a job where I have to hustle as a pedicab, right? I get it. But the difference and I don't want to cast no, no, like no, no, no. Everybody's okay. equal. Like, there needs to be – and you're making a valid point. You're a pedicab driver. You're doing the exact same thing they are, just in a different fashion. Okay, so, it's- the di- so here's here's the difference, right? So, A, I actually have to get fingerprinted. And my, my fingerprint in my background is an FBI background check. These Uber drivers run – like, Uber uh, – writes their own background checks on their own employees. It's like, well, do you trust the IRS to audit itself? Do you trust the police to investigate their own members of their department after shooting? No. So why are you going to trust Uber to you know, investigate its own driver? drivers? Over 100 women have been sexually assaulted by Uber drivers in the past couple of years. You know, and, and some of them have had a history of sexually predatory behavior, and they still got hired. And they were Lyft and Uber were out of Austin for a while. Yeah, they were out, out of Austin for like a year. And during that year, Ride Austin and uh, Fasten and... Those com- yeah, they um, they blew up. They paid well. They paid more money to the city of Austin, to the city of Austin, than Uber and Lyft paid to the state, and it was like by over a hundred times. Like it was like five hundred sixty thousand to ten thousand in that fiscal year or something like that. So if that's the case, what was the what was the reasoning behind bringing Uber and Lyft back if they were making so much money off of corruption? Okay, and to what corruption? Degree, to what and degree? also, the city didn't bring Uber and Lyft back. It became a state issue, and Greg and mm. uh, it was called State Bill 100, and um, it was it was designed. It was, it was crafted by this guy named Charles Schweitner, who's a um, senator, representative from Georgetown, and he passed. He passed that. Uh, he passed. Well, he put that law into. A, he crafted that bill, and then Greg Abbott signed off on it and approved it. Hmm. So it wasn't even the city; it was the state that did it. And yeah, you know, you have only so much power when it comes to fighting the state, but we do have a we do have the power in terms it of it starts at this ha- level. Well, we also do have the power in terms of how we handle and manage this influx of drivers on the road that are clogging up the streets and making it impossible for people to operate and creating a huge safety hazard. Also, you now you got all these lime scooter operators downtown with a bunch of drunk people who have no regard for the traffic laws. It's a miracle somebody hasn't gotten run over by a car yet. And you've got all these Californians driving out here like assholes. Just, so. I mean, I didn't want to go into that, but but you did, Brian. But what I'm saying is that this is just. You're creating a recipe for disaster, and it's just being completely ignored. It's, and again, I'm not in the in the realm of how to manage government bodies and how to make cities work. But to me, it seems like it's very transparent mismanagement. And there's mega issues, and then there's like all these secondary issues. But it seems that like the secondary issue I would consider. To me personally, the Uber and Lyft thing, right? Because that's you're attacking company, not attacking companies, but you're talking about companies that are established in every major city there is. Um, so this is a problem that should be seen in other major cities, right? Well, what is it? What is the most effective way of managing a high influx of Uber and Lyft drivers in situations like that? Why is there no example? Okay, so of here's that? what you Why do. Why aren't we here, trying here's, to set an example? So here's what we could do. Okay, 
And I know in New York, they place a cap on the number of drivers that can be out during a certain amount right. of time. Because a lot of New York's money comes from their public transportation systems, taxi, that's things true. like yeah, that, yeah, their yeah. transportation uh, That's also true. But another, another reason for that is that, um, you know, it's just from a tra- less traffic. Right. It, makes, it just creates, a, creates exactly. safer streets. Right. So there should be a cap on the number of drivers that are out within a certain day. And that should be especially true in downtown Austin. Another thing we need to do is we need to create special pickup areas. Not drop off. You can drop off wherever you want, right? But when it comes to picking up, waiting, right? You have to be. You have to pick up in a specific area, and we can have three different areas: an area on Rainy Street, an area on West Sixth Street, and an area on like Fourth Street by the gay areas, right? That's (laughs) yeah, that's fine, right? Or or even an area on Dirty Two, so four different areas, four. Dirty Two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to be like unreasonable. So have little staging areas, and you know that we have enough. Realistically, in- have, you could do it all over Austin. Those we have are the three we have areas enough. Downtown. We have enough infrastructure to have par- to have these people within a parking garage or a certain lot, and you know you judge the amount of drivers that should be, you know, operating on the road, based on how many cars you could fit within that lot. And if the lot is full, then your app isn't on. Mm. So that that's what we need to do. And this way, it'll also expand the business opportunities for pedicabbers and golf carts and give Uber drivers, um, well, it'll also put more money in the, the pockets of the drivers because they'll be able to, ta- they'll be able to take longer rides. They'll, they'll, be take, they'll be taking longer rides. There'll be less traffic on the road because they're all waiting in a queue. So when you actually get your ride, you're not going to be stuck in traffic as much trying to get from A to B. Like, traffic will go down considerably if you, put a, if you get specific staging areas within downtown. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Also, and again, seems like our, a reasonable idea. Yeah. Also, our police need to ticket these guys more. You have Uber drivers like literally staging in the middle of the street. Stop it! They stop at green lights. They park in handicapped spaces. Our cops do nothing. I've seen like maybe one, one or t- one, one or two cops actually ticket an Uber driver for like a road infraction. And I came up to him and I was like, I congratulated him. I was like, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing. When I get elected, you are getting a flamethrower. Yes. So, yeah. Flamethrowers. But. Uh, I may have left the flamethrower part out, but I, you know, I appreciated what he was doing with that, and more police need to do that. And I think that if our police were to ticket our Uber drivers and our scooter operators for disobeying our traffic laws, which they do at an extremely uncomfortably large rate, we would have enough money from ticket revenue to finance our entire $920 million bond package. I really believe that. We really would. I mean, it seems like, to me, it sounds like it would work. I don't know the, the actual numbers, obviously, but it sounds like that's a reasonable idea. It's reasonable, yeah, and it makes, it'll make the streets how safer. Would you, how would you um, focus your attention on the festivals that come through town? ACL, South by Southwest. Specific pickup areas, specific, specific cues. Not just necessarily in the sense of Uber and Lyft, but just in general. How would you manage that? How would the money coming in from those festivals go back to the city? How would you organize for easier travel? Where are the advantages? That's where high-capacity transit comes in. Okay. High-capacity transit will help alleviate a lot of those issues. Having know, scooters at bus stops will alleviate a lot of those issues. I. I mean, it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. Enforcing the rules of the road when people are operating their scooters all drunk and stuff, especially in festivals, would make these issues a lot a lot better. Let me be more specific. The festivals, ACL and South by, bring in a ton of money. They, they also do, bring if, in a ton of traffic. They, well, they so the, most of the money they generate actually goes to actual Austin companies. Because like I work downtown and I see it, and the bars that are in Austin make a 
an insane amount of money as a result of South by Southwest. And a lot of the inf- the income from South by Southwest allows a lot of local spots to stay in business. So I think that they already do a pretty good job of of that. You don't think that the city maybe needs to to say, hey, if we're going to be having these this large influx of of people coming through for these couple of weeks, that they maybe could allocate some sort of revenue. Well, we do. We have hotel occupancy. We have a hotel occupancy tax of like fifteen percent. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So right. we they, they still do that. They still tax the hotels for housing people. Oh, okay. So they're still doing stuff. So there's already plans in place. It looks like to take that. Yeah, and also from the if we yeah and... also if we expand our high if we had better high capacity transit, you know, those are city resources. So anytime you pay to go on a bus or a train, you bring it back to the city as well. So. That's something that, uh, so where I'm from is where Coachella's at, Coachella Fest. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I'm from. And uh, it turns into a fucking nightmare when that festival's in town. I believe it. I, I have pedicab festival. friends at pedicab there, and they make a killing. Yeah, so, I mean, I respect you in the sense that I come from a city that's based off tourism. Uh, it's fucking, oh, it's a, in triple degree, triple number of degrees from... April to September. Yeah. So then through October to May, October to March, April when Coachella happens, we get snowbirds from Seattle, Oregon, Canada. We get them all down in our... Yeah, and it's like we have our people. Let's get these people out of here. Traffic becomes a bitch, but it keeps businesses sustained. Uh, a lot of places close down in the summer because people leave, but it keeps a thriving economy a thriving economy for the months that there are that influx of tourism and influx of people in the city. Um so I appreciate that you're you're acknowledging the fact that this the because a good portion of the Coachella and Stagecoach revenue that whole month of April goes back to the city of Indio uh, and the surrounding cities, Palm Springs, the Quinta, where I'm from. It goes back to all those areas in a pretty in a pretty decent capacity, and it it also allows that that realm of like small business and community to grow, right? Yeah. With so I, I appreciate that and you and, and and recognizing the festival and how it kind of um, it 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 is something that's necessary for the city and I think that Austin's actually done a really good job at managing it. We do, yeah, we we, we actually and do good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the complaining traffic about that. is f- outside of downtown, but traffic the down the issue in downtown is un of itself. Like that's its own issue, right? But also the influx of Uber drivers within that area is making it e- even worse. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so, but ignoring that, I think that. Uh, ACL and South Byer handled very well by Austin in terms of of how uh, local businesses are ran and transportation still kept up pretty well outside of downtown, of course. So, so I enjoy that. Is there any room to maybe bring something else to Austin? Maybe get it in. So what I what I mean by this is the desert now, where I'm from. Every couple of months, they bring in something real big to kind of keep that tourism attraction going. Not that Austin necessarily needs that, but is there opportunity to bring in other events to potentially make more revenue for the city? Maybe uh, bring in one or two more events and specifically have the revenue from that go to fixing traffic issues or transportation issues and kind of going towards those projects. I think we're pretty good, honestly. We have ACL, we have South, we have UT football games. We it's we're doing all right. I, I do those contribute though to yeah to fixing yeah. the issues that you bring up. They should. Do you they? know, I think that they definitely generate money to the city. I think that we do a pretty bad job. I think that a lot of the issues that we have as a result of that just has to do with how we mismanage ta- treat like the relationship that we have it at with real estate developers and people building on land here. Okay. That that's that's what I think the primary issue is. I don't really think that the issue has to necessarily deal with the fact that we need another big festival to help with those issues. I think the issue really boils down to how we, you know, we see. It seems as though we ha- let developers you know, and, and realtors control the policies of the city versus 
in the individuals here who actually live in Austin. So that that's what I think the problem so is. So you're you're and I got that message earlier from you in terms of like the gentrification and those issues and the affordability. Yeah. But in terms of traffic as well, you think that the developers and the people that are in those positions are hindering the development in those areas. Well yeah, they're also not even building sidewalks. I mean, well, that's like, my point. Yeah, that's my point is like why aren't we seeing why aren't we seeing designated they're, they're, revenue to fixing the well, traffic? Well, because issues. they pay a fee in lieu for all that for all the sidewalks and all that stuff, and the fee in lieu is like pittance compared to what it's really should cost. So we need to double whatever the fee in lieu is. We need we need to du- we need to double it. I know that it's about two dollars or ten dollars a square foot for um, affordable housing units, and it should be like five to twenty dollars a square foot with the density bonus fee for affordability. So we need to substantially raise the density bo- bonus fees that these developers. That, that these developers are being offered to pay in order to bypass a lot of the requirements that they do. Man, and it, and so what do you do to change that? What do you do to change that whole structure? Because that well, just, just seems say, well, like a whole uh, fucking mess. Well, that just well seems what like happens another... is these developers, whenever they want to build something or, or uh, put a project into place, they go to the city council and they try to get approval. And you just vote no. Just, just lay the rules down and vote no and you know you lay, put your foot down on the table. That's not that difficult. I mean, it, it, I'm saying it's not that difficult you know, and I'm sure there's there's obviously more to it, but the gist of it is put your foot down and do the right thing. Do you think a lot of people pay attention to little issues like that, though? I mean, who, no, unless- no, nobody pays attention to anything. People are more people are worried about what Donald Trump said on social media or the whole Kavanaugh confirmations or all this, you know, or they're they're more worried about you know national national news and right. the whole Beto election, which is good. Beto is a much better choice than Ted Cruz. But they're they're more worried about national politics. They have very little control over versus what's going on within their local government. I think if there's anything your campaign's done, it's probably swayed the people that weren't interested in voting or maybe not interested in politics at all to be interested. I think I actually agree because there's a lot of people, a lot of people that I've been addressing and speaking to are people who would not give a like nobody not in the judicial community gives a crap about politics. Very very rare. Very few people in, in our does, community yeah. really care that much. They 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 you know especially if you're competing and you're a high level athlete, you don't have the time. Fighting and being a competitive like combat athlete takes. That's a job. That's pretty much a job. You know, so a lot of these guys don't have the time to really focus on that. And I feel like I'm I'm presenting a lot of issues in a very dynamic and interesting and to the point easy way to digest that people are paying attention. And yeah, I'm probably creating a demographic of voters who would not otherwise vote. What does that make? Does that make sense? Like it does. And 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 that's what's what's generating this follow up is you you come across very well spoken. You're very knowledgeable on the topics that you believe are important, and that you are willing to address. You're not, again, I don't want to. I hate using the word shtick, but it's it's people they see this and they it's only like what can I get out of this guy? Yet it's it's factual, logical ideas that you have, and you're not bringing any error of bullshit. What personally got you into the realm of politics? What I know that it from my story, and please maybe share with everybody. But I, I heard that it kind of started off as a joke. You decided, hey, I'm well, going to go all in. But is there what is the driving force behind that? Like, do you really feel that it's inattention to change? It's people not, you know, mismanagement of the city. Do you really honestly feel these issues and yeah, believe no, that these this issues? Is, yeah, this is 100 percent real. So like, okay, so what? This? What started this? All right, yeah. the the thing that really got me to really got me to get out of my comfort zone living here was when Uber and Lyft came back because I saw a direct 
economic impact that I faced in a very negative way, and a lot of my friends started facing that, and I started real, and a lot of my friends started, you know, and myself too, mm-hmm. had to work a lot more to make less. I heard or to about, make about that the same. Jonathan. Jonathan yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, that's I moved to Austin to have a healthy work-life balance, so I could be able to be my own free-spirited, creative individual. And spread your wings. Yeah, yeah. So my my idea of working is I want to I I work to help pay my bills, be financially comfortable, and I have enough free time to express myself and you know explore explore my create well for now this is all i do to make a living right i used to substitute but not anymore um so but what i what i was saying is that i and i've always made a lot more pedicabbing than subbing always a lot more i'm one of my best friends i won't even get go down that that's another conversation that's another conversation absolutely maybe like the next podcast we could talk about 100 percent. you're already i've already got i've already got two uh follow-up interviews with you scheduled so i really are pretty pretty pumped we'll make it happen brian but what what i'm what i'm saying is that the uber and lifting really kind of sparked something and it made me maybe think man i'm being like i felt like me and a lot of the the friends i have who are core components of what makes Austin a special place are being pushed to the side without any consideration. And yeah, I guess at first it was just, you know, I, I made some comments about running for mayor and I talked about some ridiculous things and I'm going to make a video. And then one day I was at the women's March and I made a video about, Hey, I'm going to run for mayor. And I, 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 you know, laid out my plans and I got like, I never, and, and I don't really pay for my, to sponsor my Facebook post, right? Mm-hmm. Got like maybe 1500 views, like 80 likes, got a whole bunch of like shares and people were oh. really into it. And, you know, there was a few people came up and talked to me, people who actually ran for council before. And they're like, you actually should do this. Like, you might, you're going to go somewhere if you do this. People will invite you to things. You're going to get votes. You, you, you need to do this. I mean, I think you're fitting the role perfectly, man. Yeah. And so, so then, you know, I still put it in the back burner. I was still, I was still fighting. And I, I did Golden Gloves this, this February. So my main thing was, all right, focus on Golden Gloves and see what happens. And then I made this Facebook post right before South by directing my friends in the service industry. It's like, hey, to my friends in the service industry, a lot of people are going to be coming here specifically from California, and it's your duty as as Austinites to provide these people with as terrible of an experience as possible <laughs> so that they do not move here. And it's, you know, like, charge them double, give yeah, them the wrong directions, yeah. take them to the arch if they want to buy drugs. You, the, your choices... <laughs> The, the, oh, your choices no. are limitless. Like namaste, right? Namaste. And the arch. Ate that, you, you call no, it but, the arch. It's the arch. The arch. I thought the, it was the, the arc. The arc. The no, it's the arch. But either way, <laughs> like, I think seven or eight thousand people shared it. Like I mean, it went. That post went viral. Like eight thousand people shared this, and people were like, "Yeah, stringing for mayor." And I had a few friends that like who I've like mentioned it to. We're like, "Yeah, stringing for mayor." And then I, after that, it kind of hit me. Whereas, okay, Alex, you, you got to do this. Do you see yourself um, sticking down this line? Do you see yourself being involved? I think the main thing long-term? I want to focus is on focus on is this election and what I got to do going forward. Here, I'm not thinking three, four years ahead. You know. Okay. All right. Um, have you personally? Where does this? I, I want to acknowledge that it's something that you're trying to accomplish now, and and it's something that you're focusing on. But personally, what has this done for you? Has it made you more involved in any other capacity of your life? Do you feel that you've maybe? I mean, is there what, what's changed? Discipline has it driven your your ethics a little bit differently? Have you? You know what I'm trying to say? How has it changed you? How has doing this changed you? Because this is now a good portion of your life, if not most of it right now, right? I'd, I'd say how much time out of your day do you spend dedicated oh, there's to a lot. There's a lot the of marrying going on, Brian. A lot of marrying, A lot right? of marrying, yeah. So with so that now being the predominant... How has that changed me and shaped who I am as, a, as an individual? Yeah. Has it? 
it's made me a lot. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to how to explain this. So, I'm not gonna say it's really made me more disciplined because I felt like I was already pretty disciplined with the MMA and having written a book and having made a couple rap songs and what done all this. Your, well, what is your... that, that when I was in college, I used to get really drunk and keep a, a journal, and I wrote a little wrote sober commentary in between those entries and made a story out of it. This how is old are you? If you mind me asking. Thirty two. So that this. Uh, came out maybe a couple years ago or something like that. All right, I'll have to get this uh, info from you. Dear Diary, I'm wasted. Just you could look it up. It's on Dear Amazon. Dear Diary, what? Uh, I'm wasted. Look, you could look it up. It's on Amazon. But that's, you know, that's not what we're uh, what we're <laughs> talking about here, Brian. And yeah, you know, I made a couple, a couple rap songs. I had an MMA fight. I done a few boxing fights. Like I did a bunch of jiu-jitsu competitions. So discipline is always something I felt like I had, and it just kind of got translated and manifested into a different, into a different realm. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? I think that with this yeah. thing. What they, what this thing is has done is it's really caused me to look at life from a perspective other than my own. Okay. You know, whereas before it's okay. What do you, what are we gonna do to make to get to do all this and stuff for yourself, right? To get Alex to that next level. Yeah. To get Alex whereas to- now you're you're applying for a job where everybody in Austin is theoretically my boss. So how do you get to really accommodate and understand the needs of people in Austin to? Fulfill them appropriately. Travis so brings that up a lot as the public servant aspect. Yeah, of like being you really are. So, you so you are. really are. You really are a servant, and the, you're now fulfilling a role that you have to appease a lot of people. I mean, I, I generally do my. I, I generally think that you need to also appease people, but you also have to be yourself and be honest and transparent. And if you don't want to do something that people are telling you, just say no. I don't. I'm not doing that. That's a terrible idea. Then, you know, if you're not, then oh, but sir, then comes that money. Then comes that business from California. Well, that's why. That's money. why you know that. That's and why I haven't going, accepted oh. a penny. You know, Brian, I'm gonna you tell you this. Going, oh, that's Brian, a lot of money. Brian, Brian I'm gonna tell you it's this. I haven't accepted a penny from the corporate special interest. So you let's leave not. it at that. You have not, and you have not. a completely self-funded campaign, and you're also taking donations. Where? Where are your donations? At? Oh, my dina- donations. So there's, I have a GoFundMe. It's GoFundMe.com/slash Stranger for Mayor. S T R E N G E R F O R Mayor. And then I'll, and then if you want to buy a T-shirt from me. I have Build the Dome t-shirts. You can buy a shirt. PayPal.me slash Build the Dome. Build the Dome, man. And so and you can also donate to my campaign through my PayPal. So you have multiple ways to donate to my socially progressive campaign. Um, and I appreciate that, too, because one thing you did bring up is the corruption. And I, with, I, I don't want to sound conspiracy theorist. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we can go deep on that as well. But that's another. that could be another episode, too. I think it's important to highlight the fact that an, an or, not to call you ordinary by any stretch of the means that you're an ordinary person but just in the political realm you are you're not established you're not well well uh in the pockets of other people and i want to so say in the pockets me, but right, you're not me, established let, let, let me let me say that real quick before i lose my train of thought um so i'll tell you what this mayor campaign has really taught me okay go. and I, I didn't get a chance to go into it and what it's really taught me is that it's not that hard to run for public office Okay. Okay. Anybody can run. We have a convicted felon, a guy who spent eight years in prison. He killed somebody. He's running for council in District One. All right. Anybody can run for public office. And if you're upset with how things are going and you want to change something, even if you think you have no chance of winning, you should still run for whatever public official position that you can or you see feasible. Because at the very least, you will be able to bring your issues to the forefront. And when you are running for public office, guess what? People have to listen to you. So that's that's the main thing I learned is that it's not that difficult to run for public office. And, and more people 
need to do it. And if you ever want to have a platform for your ideas and for your thoughts and for your ability to express how you feel about things, there's no better platform than running for a public, than trying to be a public official. Where's your, where's most of your support coming from? Who do you really have support from and who's invested? So I have a lot of jujitsu support, obviously, MMA community and the pay, a lot of the pedicappers here in Austin. They're my primary uh, support base. But even uh, aside from that, there are a lot of people on the street that come up to me and they're like, yo, it's the mayor. Let me get a picture with you. You know, build a dome. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's that we have a candidate form actually Friday morning at Aikens High School, 9 a.m. Okay. The mayoral candidate form. If you if you guys want to if you want to come or all and your listeners want to come, Aikens High School, Aikens. 9 a.m. on Friday. One of the um, council count, um, members running for council, Linda O'Neill. She's a teacher there, and she's actually if, if you live in in District Nine with, within downtown and whatnot, you should vote for you should vote for her. She's she's really the only candidate that truly represents the uh, concerns of actual everyday people in Austin. You know, she's a school teacher who's not getting money from. Special interest groups or developers. Yeah, of course not. And, and, and anyway, it's just so the education of the future. Yeah, yeah. So and anyway, that that being said, though, I, I've talked to her before, and she told me that I was her, uh, I was her student's favorite candidate. So I, I'm excited for this forum to see how people react. Respond, damn, yeah. dude, you're gonna get that wrestler, that wrestler pop. You're gonna go out there, and people are just gonna lose their shit. They probably will. You know, you're when, when, when you're belt. a true, when you, uh, well, when when you're a true progressive wrestling with the real concerns of Austin, and yes, you're gonna generate a positive reaction from the crowd. That's the way it is, Brian. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. Hey, um, I want you to know that I, I, I really support what you're doing, man, and I really support the, the, the message, and it's, to me, I, I appreciate you on another level, and I can't thank you enough. Anything you do, anything type of campaign-wise, what I plan on doing is I'm going to let uh, Phil Travis in as well. I'm going to dedicate like a whole page to this. I want, it, I was kind of telling you, but yeah, anything you guys have, I'm going to post Blast Out. And I'm gonna support, man. And cool. I, I appreciate Thank you. you. I appreciate you having me, man. This, I this appreciate is a lot of you fun. coming in, man. No, this is a great time, and um, I hope that you, I hope that you are able to uh, continue this. And I, whatever the outcome may be, I think that you are a, a, a great candidate to uh, do this. Whatever this is, bring attention. Whether it be running for public office or just being a spokesperson for something, I think that that's what you do very, very well. well man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And hopefully, the this become winds up being mayor but yes we're, we're only only time only time will tell and these next few weeks are very pivotal in terms of my campaign and like i said if you want to help contribute to the cause gofundme.com slash stranger for mayor or paypal.me slash build a dome and you can learn more about me on my website www.stranger s-t-r-e-n-g-e-r for mayor f-o-r mayor.com m-a-y-o-r for me yeah m-a-y-o-r yeah that's right uh all right, well, that is it. Uh, you give out your your personal social media at all? Do you want anybody? Following oh yeah, you on let's. That? Well, that's that's also a great idea. So I, I didn't I didn't mention that because all of my social media is on my website. But if you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Alex Stranger, and my Twitter is also the Alex Stranger, and my Facebook page is at Stranger for Mayor. And you know, Brian, I trust that you're going to link all of my information all when you it. put the the podcast up. So I'm pretty I'm it. pretty pumped to to catch it and yeah, watch man. this episode. I'm going to blast it out. I'm going to blast it out. I appreciate Excited. you. Thank, Thank you again yes. for coming in. All right.